justice system that you don't like? And if so, what are those things? There's lots of things in the justice system I don't like. First of all, I don't think that people of color are treated the same way that people um, that are white are treated. So I think that there's an unfair, um, there's an unfair bias towards white people. With this question, I was a little bit iffy, iffy about asking people because it is kind of like an open-ended question. But when she answered, it made me want to go into depth more about the question because she was very passionate about the questions that I was asking her. So it made me intrigued to know her answers. changing arrests or moments with the police that changed you or the police? No uh, life-changing arrests, though no, um, I believe uh, that my moments with officers have always been positive uh, and again have always been in a situation where knowing that uh, my officers are there to protect um, and, and situations when there are those who get belligerent but they get very upset i think in 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 all instances we're all uh looking at situations to be better and to learn from mistakes uh, uh what have you but in in general i think that um our officers do what's best for everybody with this question i was kind of I was kind of on both sides with his answer because there was a part of his answer that was when he said, when people get belligerent and get upset with the cops, I do agree that they shouldn't do that because it just hurts the situation more than it helps it. But then I look at, I look at, you know, you're a cop. You, you're supposed to get trained on this. So when a person gets belligerent or upset, in my personal opinion, I feel like you should somehow try to de-escalate the situation before it goes further than it needs to go. Because, like, again, I feel like you've been trained. You know, these people that you stop, they haven't been most likely they haven't been trained to maybe control their anger or they haven't been trained to know, okay, when a cop stops you, you don't do this, this, and this. I mean, of course, everybody knows you don't need to argue back and forth with the cop. It just makes them, the cop more angry. It's certain things you don't do as a cop, but I also think it's certain things you don't do as a civilian. Do you think there should be an alternate punishment for a police killing an innocent person? I don't think there should be an alternate punishment. If they've killed somebody, killing is killing, right? And if there's not, if there's evidence to show that it was a defense, um, then 
then that, that need, we need to look at that. But if it was outright killing, like some of the things that are happening now, those people should be punished just like anybody in the justice system. An alternate place for officers killing innocent civilians. <laughs> this question, I honestly just wanted to ask, and not even police officers, I wanted to ask anybody, because everybody has their own opinion, and I didn't want to be one-sided with my podcast. So me asking this question to the police officer, to the teacher, it really was me trying to have an open mind when I got the response that I might have I might have not liked, but they were being honest and they were telling me their opinion. Do you think racial profiling is an issue? Why or why not? Um, I certainly do think there's racial, and I think that there's a there's that people make judgments based on skin all the time, whether it's a police officer or um, an ATF agent or um, someone at the airport or anything, anybody of color, I think there's racial profiling. I asked this question twice in my podcast. And I got two diff- two totally different answers. But my point of putting it in my podcast twice is because I want you to see different perspectives from a teacher slash regular civilian to a police officer. In your opinion, how can the system prevent sexual abuse in prison? So I, I think that uh, we have to be very intentional. We have to be very intentional, not only in the uh, in prisons, though in schools, as well as in job places, public setting, job places, those in other words, like our positions working for the government. Our positions, as well as private sectors, we have to, there's so much with sexual harassment. Uh, there's so much also that leads to sexual harassment um, or what have you. And it, it becomes a continual conversation. It's nothing that just started yesterday. It's on probably since the history of land. Um, though we have to continue to do better to learn from mistakes. Um, and not reinvent or not to continue those same mistakes um, <clears throat> that you know not continue the the, the same uh, things that we have have been put in place I think when those things come up I think maximum penalty to any of those who um, do anything to, to hurt children do anything to hurt the innocent um, you know uh, when we get to a certain age you know by law get to a certain age it's uh vital to know um you know to to know where you are and to you know to have um you know and it should almost in other words many times we sign declarations when you when you get a license 
you have to sign to say you understand the laws of of that license. You sign for a home. You have to, you know, when you get a home, you have to sign for it. When you get a car, you have to sign for it. Maybe it's a situation where when you get to a certain age, there's a document that is there. Do you understand what this means uh, to become 18? Do you understand what this means as you're now matured into adulthood? How can the system prevent sexual abuse with young prisoners and even in prison? I have done this twice because I had so much to say on this topic and it's hard to fit it in to a few minutes. But Ms. Williams showed me this show on Netflix and it kind of opened my eyes to this question. It made me look at, you know, what happens in prison. And it made me also think about there are people that are, you know, not even are 20 and 30 getting sexual abuse. And this, the story, you know, he was a little bit mental, you can tell. And they put him in regular society. And, of course, he was about maybe 16. And it was still kind of, when I was watching this, it kind of made you want to cry because you can clearly see this little boy, he's mentally ill, and he wasn't even there when this quote-unquote crime took place, and he was the only one who got sent to prison because he was the oldest and the first or second maybe first or second day maybe week I don't know the timeline he got beat and he got sexually abused and the officer or correctional correctional's officer just let it happen I don't know why he let it happen but it was very I would say confusing all the emotions you could think because it's like you have this little boy you see he's you know you see he's 16 or even younger and you're supposed to be the person who is like no you can't do that you know you're a little you know to the older gentleman and he just let it happen and I didn't realize he got sexual abused until he went to, I guess, the, the nurse in the jail, in the prison. And it was just very sad to see what took him, what took place. And then we realized nobody really, nobody has to go through that. I feel like that is a real, really, real, important topic that should be brought up when it contains pertains to the prison system because I feel like that is a huge issue because if you have a 13 year old or even a 12 year old or even a 9 year old going to prison and that happens 
because I know in just mercy that did happen. If they weren't beat, if they weren't sexually abused, they were beaten. And it's a bad situation. Do you think racial profiling is a real thing? Why or why not? Racial profiling? In my opinion, no, because most of the time when we stop someone for a traffic offense, we don't even know who's driving the car. And then, I mean, that I guess it could occur to some extent if you see someone walking down the street in a neighborhood where an officer feels, okay, this is a white neighborhood and there's a black guy walking, I guess it could occur to some extent there if they feel the person doesn't live in that neighborhood. In this interview, I was a little bit thrown off and surprised by his answer, but as an interviewer, you have to keep your cool. Not saying that I was upset. It was just very new to me to hear someone say it's not a real thing. With all the recent police shootings, do you think there should be an alternate place for police officers to go if they kill an innocent person? It may not be alternate. It may not. It may be the fact that they're not trained in a sense on a regular basis. Does that maybe kind of answer it? Yeah. Because I don't know what an alternate way would be unless they're learning about mental health and uh, cultural diversity. That would be the only only training that would make it more different I mean make it more easier to maybe deal with the public at hand with this question I realized that it was kind of misleading or I would say confusing because a police officer killing an killing an innocent person, in my opinion, there wouldn't be an alternate place. But I felt like it was a good question because that's coming from a perspective that I think is just one-sided. So me asking this question to a police officer, I wanted to get maybe I would say a positive or a, like I said at the question, an alternate answer to this question. What is considered to be a jury of your peers in your opinion? What's considered to be a jury of my peers? I think it becomes a situation where this decision that we have in place where it's random randomized I think it's it's good I think where each lawyer can interview the jurors I think that that system that we have in place 
um, is it is what it is in terms of the uh, randomization. Uh, it is randomized uh, from a specific area. I do think, though, that um, we have to remember where a crime is committed. So we have a crime that's committed in a rural setting where 90% of all those who are in that area are Caucasian. Then we have to think about the jurors that are in that particular area. And many times, you know, we say that it be profiled in a certain way because the entire jury is white. And it is a black man, for instance, that is on trial. Jury of your peers. I talked to multiple people about this question off the air, and I got different types of answers. You know, I got answers that were like, for example, well, if you, the air, if it happens in a white area, it might be a jury of all white. It really just depends on what area. And I agreed, but I kind of, throughout the question, you know, in the 19th century in Alabama, most black prisoners that were convicted of death row were convicted, were convicted by all white jury. And I feel like that wasn't fair. But I also think about what if in the area we all white. So how do you differentiate, okay, if this person gets, if this happens in an all white area, but this person is black or this person is Hispanic or this person is Asian, how do you differentiate a jury of your peers? What are some things in the justice system that you would like to see change? Things in the justice system that I would like to see changed. I think that we, uh, like I mentioned before, in terms of looking at mental health, I think um, we want to make sure we have the best, the best, the best uh, to look at mental health uh, to, to support, I think, more psychologists, um, in to, to work with police officers, more psychologists, and psychiatrists, to work with uh, judges, to work with jurors, to understand the behavioral health um, and mental health. The mental health. What we're doing that, you know, a lot of times each week we hear from behavioral health. Today you hear from concussion especially you know, what many of what they're talking about is stress. Right. Much of what they're talking about is stress and how to cope with stress. Those who who um, can support that. I think that's what that's a that's a huge undertaking. I think that we should go into. Uh, you even see now more passions. You see more teachers that are stressed. And see more doctors who are stressed and becoming suicidal. We've always had entertainers and we've always had athletes, professional athletes that have been stressed as they gain more money and finances and everything else, and they have agents to support them. But I think uh, more with behavioral health, I think, to support the system, I think, 
definitely do us um, a lot to move forward. And it starts when we're young, knowing that even a one teacher can change the, the full trajectory of a child. It is huge. It is it is very, very big. So uh, being prepared for that, being prepared for that, I think we work hand in hand with the justice system as educators, basically doing what we do now having more talks about how to how to support because you are a lot of 10 years from now you all will be our lawyers you all will be our police officers our doctors and, and so um, the changes I think more mental more behavioral health uh, and resources in that direction so that we are able to cope with the stresses of life. We're able to cope with uh, with crises that happen. We're here on this earth now, but every single one of us at some point will pass away. Even if that means early, if that means on time, if that means we live to see 160 years old. So who knows what medicine in the future we may live in. So whatever that but how do we cope with that? With those who are close to pass away. Many times, when we have any kind of crisis, it could be an accident to happen. Or a huge bad accident in any kind of situation uh, where in an instant, you know, it comes a crisis. Right. How do we deal with it? Uh, to not take the others' lives. Right. You know what I mean? Not to take other people down with you. So you're not just randomly pulling a gun out and shooting folks. I think it becomes more. We have to more on the front end of it. Mm-hmm. Educate more on the front end of it so that we're not leaning up on the back end of it. Right. My favorite part of this interview, or I should say this question, was when he mentioned just one teacher can change your perspective or life. And when I was younger, I did have that teacher in my life who did basically switch my attitude and made me realize things that I could have handled a certain type of way. 